0: Welcome to the sideline podcast. Today is Tuesday, April 13th. And Doug, Alec Baum still hasn't touched home plate. Gentlemen, Let it go. Major League Baseball <laughs> has a replay problem, but I think we gotta start with the Masters. We gotta start with history. Hideki Matsuyama becomes the first Japanese man to win a major tournament in golf. What a weekend it was.
1: A lot of fun. Uh it was the masters so everything about it will be magical. I think the actual tournament itself was a little bit anticlimactic, but the history of a Japanese player winning the first major with it being the masters the best one was was magical in itself and you know he's been around the game, Hideki Matsuyama that is for so long now and he's kind of been teetering with the top spot for a little bit. He's kind of had his runs here and there for him to finally capture one and have it Kind of be stress free, but then get close at sometimes, and then pull it out in the end was a fun scene to watch. Yeah, I can say from from casually
2: viewing the Masters and, and golf in general, just I would say, I guess, the command he took with the lead, like Doug said, he was never really challenged. I think there were a couple times um, late where where it looked like Xalatoris uh, was going to push him a little bit, or maybe Shafle was going to make a run, but. For the most part like once friday hit like matsuyama was kind of in the driver's seat and and was on cruise control from there so from that perspective it was really impressive
0: so a couple things uh this was on the 15th hole this tournament became xander shaffley's to lose when hideki matsuyama hit his second shot into the water on the back of the 15th hole and shaffley was safe in the bunker that was an automatic at least birdie for Shoffley. He did end up birding, and Hideki was facing a bogey at best, which he actually did leg out a bogey there. So that was a two-shot swing. Shoffley got into within one shot heading into the 16th hole, and if you're a golf fan or just a Masters fan, you know 16, 17, and 18 can change a leaderboard more drastically than any other holes, and Shoffley... He says he hit the right club. It just hit a wall of wind on the 16th and went into the water, and they didn't recover. He tripled and gave three shots back. And Hideki, who bogeyed three of the last five holes. So, like, you, you got to think, it, it really, yes, he did run away with it technically, but if Shoffley had put his ball on 16 just in play, we have a different tournament.
1: So I was listening to Andy North, former golf yeah. player, won I think two major championships. He did. He was saying that he that Shawley used the right club on the 16th, but he aimed for the wrong part of the green, and then it had no shot of even staying. So like, I I think that was not horrible, but it, it just I don't know. Obviously, the results are tr- like hindsight, and like you can say all of those cliches, but. Shoffley is a name that we'll talk a little bit more about him later. He's a name that has been at the top for many, many times, many tournaments, and will be. I, I'm sure he's still very young.
0: Yeah, he's in his in his the latter part of his mid 20s. Right. Um. But I. Yeah. You're right. We'll talk about Shoffley in a sec. But Hideki, it, yeah. it is, it is impressive. Um, why Yang was the last male Asian player to win a major. Everyone remembers when he beat Tiger at the PGA in 2009. That was a huge deal. But Hideki being the first uh, Japanese player, Japanese male to win a major, is a huge deal because it's it's a nation that loves golf. We, we listen to Sir Nick Faldo talk about that all weekend. Uh, our, my dad's era, so you know people who are in their mid-50s. Uh, a guy by the name of Tommy Nakajima, who was on the Tokyo Broadcast System broadcast, he he and Jack Nicholas went back and forth for a major in the in the late 70s. So that was that was fun to listen to him, even though I had no idea what he was saying because he was speaking in Japanese. But to, for him to be involved in that broadcast and see the the fruits of his labor pay off for his nation, that that's pretty cool to see. And um, here,
1: yeah, absolutely. And I like the way that they, like, like you said, there is a lot of the Japanese implemented uh, their broadcast into the U.S. broadcast. We had no idea what they were saying, no. but you could feel the energy, and obviously, it meant a lot to them. And you could tell by the way that they were talking about each single shot he took. I thought he was uh, Matsuyama was older than 29, he's still a young guy,
0: yeah. So, he 10 years ago was the low AM at the yes. Masters in 2011, yeah. he was 19. Hideki, there are there are a few of these guys, probably a handful of these guys. He's a guy who's always been okay. One day, we don't know right. when he'll win a major, right? Uh, and that finally happened. I think the closest he's been, or the closest he's been in the recent past, was in 2017. He had like a fourth or third place finish, I think, at the U.S. Open. But he, the last couple of years, he's been off his game. Uh, and I was reading an article about that that he. He went from being a, a perennial top 10 player to being a top 30 player. And you don't often see that in golf. You don't see a guy who's super talented go to being like, okay. You see a guy that goes super talented to being terrible. Right. So he kind of took a little step back. Uh, I am happy. I don't, you know, Hideki's not a guy that I root for day in and day out, but he's a, he was a guy that I'm happy to see win right. a major. Uh, pretty cool to see him walking through the Atlanta airport just carrying his green jacket Hopping on the flight to, I believe it was to Chicago, then to, to Tokyo. Ch- yes, so that that was cool.
1: Uh, I think the fact that, well, yeah, that that's also very cool. Yeah, this is a very human side of him. But I don't know the exact numbers, but I've heard from multiple different sources that this major is going to make him a boatload of money after the fact. Obviously, the purse of the major is, is enough, and I'm sure he's already made enough. But I've heard like the fact that he's a Japanese prodigy in a mm-hmm. sense, the golf guy who has a future still is going to be getting endorsements up the ass.
0: Yeah, so it's it's a it's Good a huge him. opportunity for him to make a lot of money in Japan. Uh let's talk about So yes, congratulations to Hideki first yep. major champion of 2021. Uh it was nice to see patrons in the crowd or in, in the, on the course. Uh at Augusta certainly a huge part of all that goes on there. There weren't quite the same roars as there normally are, but seeing a hearing a hearing people at a golf tournament is comforting. Uh, during the COVID tournaments were, it, it was cool, but not something that I would like to be permanent. Right. So I was happy to see even I believe they said it was a ten percent capacity uh, at Augusta, but on eighteen I couldn't tell a difference when Hideki was walking up. So that was that was nice.
1: I also think the, like, sure, it was only 10%, but the names at the top of the leaderboard weren't the most powerful names. And obviously, the main one you're thinking of is Tiger Woods. And without him, it'll be a whole different story. But even, like, the Dustin Johnson wasn't really up there. And, like, obviously, people like Matsuyama and people bought into Zalators, but they're just not the top recognizable names right. and, and players that people cheer for. So I think... Having that 10%, it might have been a little bit louder if those top names were there, but like you said, they were still very noticeable, especially when Matsuyama finally hit that last putt
0: the uh the course, and then we'll get to the players loved it. uh in November, <laughs> it was DJ broke the record and shot 20 under in November because of how soft the conditions were. We were back to having a normally hard and tough, uh uh green in, in the masters which I was happy I I was sitting in, on my couch on Sunday and I had one of my roommates who's not the hugest sporting fan remark to me why are the greens not green and they weren't They'll, well some of them weren't they were brown in areas and that's completely on purpose the grass is dead. On purpose so the balls fly through the green or the putts are fast every I said everything they do at Augusta is intentional there's not one detail that's left to nature it's all man-made over there so I was very happy with the way the course played I think what did Hideki shoot 11 under yeah Um, 10 under 10 under I think that's a perfect score at Augusta I, I like it being right around there you know if you average two and a half under every day I like that. I don't want guys shooting 66, 65, 64, 67 to win. I want a guy that that shoots his balls off and shoots 68 four times to win a major by the skin of his teeth. I like that.
1: And Thursday was nearly impossible to play yeah. the course, except if your name was Justin Rose. I think it was right. he is, what, 7-under, and then everyone he, else was 3-under or something like that, and they really couldn't get anything going.
0: Yeah, so Justin Rose—now we'll, we'll transition to the players. I mean, Justin yeah. Rose was— Thursday was that was one of the better rounds of golf I've I've seen in a while crazy but he went 65 72 72 74. <laughs> that he lost everything on Saturday, on fr- excuse me on Friday morning he was a disaster and then got it back together on the back nine to get to even par but pretty much from the uh from the end of Thursday's round he was not the same golfer uh but he did have his name at the top of the leaderboard on Thursday and on Friday uh, and all he did on Friday was just kind of go to. I mean, it wasn't cruise control, but it, it appeared from cruise control from the outside. Uh, certainly, the birth of a new name this weekend, Doug. I you called, called it, it Will Zalatoris that had was a my huge guy. tournament.
1: That was my guy, and he's a 24 years old. He looks. I think he's like 165. He looks 140. Yeah, and he's electric. And this, like we've been talking about, this is a course where they don't really give you much help when like you're a new guy you kind of have to have the experience and like like what's the thing with the book justin that they don't yeah give... so
0: like at, at other in other courses they'll give you like a yardage book right and, like distances and you know the elevation and stuff like that and where how the greens are rolling they don't do that at augusta you have to do all the information yourself which is why they say it plays better for people who've played there before
1: and so for a 24 year old in zelataurus to kind of keep his mark each day people were like Well, when's this guy gonna fall off? When's he gonna have his double? When's he gonna have two bogeys back to back? He never did, and he finished second at nine under, very impressive. And I don't, I don't know if this is gonna be a guy that will be at the top of golf or like, like I'm not sure about that. But for him to be in this position, this young, I'm just happy I called it.
0: Yeah, uh, he was a name that people did throw out there. Jim Nance kept saying that this was Tony Romo's pick this weekend. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, I mean, he what he did. I think he was the only person that was under par all four days because uh, Hideki shot one over on Friday or on a Sunday, excuse yep. me. So that's a very impressive tournament for such a, a young guy. Some of the other guys at the top of the leaderboard, you have Spieth and Shoffley tied for third. So we'll talk about Spieth in a second, but Xander Shoffley, I, I, again, he is like Hideki in my eyes, at least before this weekend, like. I know he's going to win a major. I don't know when it's going to be, but he's finished second, third, fourth, fifth too many times for him not to win a major. I if he puts the shot on 16 in play, I think he wins. He was play, he was he had birdied four holes in a row yeah. going into 16 and then had a triple bogey. He was the better player on the back 9. Hideki was kind of he, Spiraling out of control is incorrect, but he was on a certain downward trend, and if Shoffley maintained that upward trend, he would have won.
1: Shoffley, uh, so you mentioned the four birdies. Before that, earlier in the round, he had bogey, bogey, double bogey, which kind of yep. hurt him and really didn't really give him a chance until like those four, four birdies. Like you said, he's a guy that always finishes at the top of the leaderboard. He has seven top 10 finishes in majors, and... It's just a matter of time. He's going to be getting the green jacket or getting some trophy in a major very, very soon.
0: Yeah, you, you blinked on Sunday afternoon, and Xander Schauffele yeah. went from 9-under to 5-under in half a second. Or 5-under to 9-under. Right, like it's, exactly.
1: It's, he's, so he's got the potential. It's he, just whether we can put it all together for four rounds.
0: He is lightning in a bottle. Jordan Spieth has been one of the best golfers on tour over the is last couple of months. Some people are saying he's back. He's got his confidence on the putting green. Which is huge because that's where he literally has mental breakdowns. He's always been an excellent ball striker. He just sometimes he goes in and out on the putting. When he won those three majors in what seemed like two months, uh, he had his putting down. So for him to get a T three. I think he could have played better. I think I believe he had a triple and a double over the uh, course of the weekend, and it, one of them was because he didn't take his medicine on one of the shots and decided to be aggressive, which is why people like Jordan Speeth, but this one <laughs> bit him in the ass. Uh, I think we will continue to see him at the top of the leaderboard. I'm not a huge Jordan Spieth fan, but it is good for golf that he is doing well again, especially since we don't know how long Tiger's not going to be playing.
1: I just hate the way he talks, to be honest. And it's entertaining at times. And it's like something different. But for me, I just like seeing people play fast, hit the shots they want, and then move on, talk to their caddies. Every, yeah. After every single shot, he says something. Yeah, he's
0: got a comment. I, I agree with you on that so one. And I, Usually I'm a guy that likes that kind of stuff, but I it's do something it's, about Spieth. It's too often. It's, yeah.
1: If he channeled it back a little bit, I'd be fine with it. Uh, but more about him, I I do like when he does well. He's a fun name to follow. Like he's he's a light, he's a likable guy. I would say, yeah. Um, and he's a known guy more so. So like, what he's already got three majors. Is it two majors? Three, three. So if he gets the one coming up, or like just kind of gets some wins together, and obviously it's very hard on the PGA Tour, but he's got the potential for it. Yeah, him winning, puts,
0: him winning last week, uh, whichever tournament it was, it's one in Texas. Oh, uh, the Valero. Valero. Yeah, that was huge for his confidence. Uh, and then lastly before we get to the cut players and move on from golf because I know most of you don't even like golf uh DeChambeau, that idiot <laughs> loud mouth he so in November he said that the Masters was a par 67 instead of a par 72. Bryson went 76 67 75 75 to shoot six over uh he was um he was lost all weekend he couldn't do anything he couldn't Nick Faldo who I love dearly like he is my own father. <laughs> He hates Bryson DeChambeau, <laughs> and it makes it known on the broadcast. Jim Nance will set up a question for him, and Nick will be like, "Well, that's why it's not always about power. Sometimes it's about accuracy or being good at uh, you know slowing down your swing and playing to the course, not you know let the course play to you." Um, but yeah, Bry- Bryson uh, not great this weekend for the image.
1: So if he says that about the Masters, I'm looking at his record right now. His best finish is in 2016 as an amateur. He finished top tied for 21. Yeah. He hasn't done better. Why no. is he talking? Because
0: he's a loudmouth in the in the worst way.
1: And that's also kind of like we all hate him, but I like him for that fact. <laughs> sense. Like it's good to hate someone in golf and have someone be that weird guy that you can just always be like, what? Why did you say that?
0: Uh, miscut people. Jason Day, Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, defending champion. He never, he couldn't putt. That was weird. Um, that that is much like Spieth. That's something that it's on or it's off for him. Yep. And DJ just wasn't making putts. And Brooks Koepka was playing on one leg, yeah. uh, and he also missed the putt. That's crazy. It was like a six month recovery for his knee surgery, and he came back and played the Masters in one month. So
1: I'll throw in the name Patrick Cantlay as well. He was. Disgusting! I had him in one of my pools, and he just embarrassed me.
0: <laughs> Cantlay is a that that's a good pick. I'm looking now. At, no, it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, it was a good pick. Like before well, the tournament. Yeah, be, before yeah, okay. the tournament. Okay. Um, yeah, there were a lot of big names that didn't yeah. that didn't make the cut. Yeah. Um, but look, another Masters coming, gone. We're a month away from the PGA. We are now in full golf season, and this Atlanta boy couldn't be any happier.
1: It was a fun weekend. It wasn't the best Masters tournament, Correct. but you got to right. take it for what it is, and it's the best tournament of the year
0: yeah it is so I'm happy this year to to get the British Open back but congratulations Hideki uh let's go on to baseball we're going to start with the replay stuff so we'll go chronologically uh the Mets Marlins game happened first that was on I think it was on Friday it might have been on Thursday uh but that was the bottom of the ninth inning the bases were loaded for the Mets Michael Conforto in the plate a ball comes in and does he or does he not lean in? That is for replay to decide.
1: And they were wrong.
0: They were wrong. <laughs> Michael Conforto clearly moved his elbow towards the right-hand batter's – no, left-hand batter's box no, and right,
2: got right hit. Right, 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 right right-hand, right-hand batter's I can't
0: box. do anything. I can't see anything. Towards the batter's box. Towards the other towards side the plate,
2: of the plate. He, he put his he, – he reached his elbow over home plate and got hit. Yeah. Like, he, he touched let's his, say
0: this he made no effort to get his arm out of the way which no, is what you're in supposed fact, to do i
2: would honestly feel confident saying he went out of his way to hit the ball with his elbow <laughs> guard right at least in the slowed down version of it
0: so that is what replay is for is it though and well yeah you're supposed to get calls corrected that uh
2: that, that the naked eye couldn't yeah.
0: see sure and that's what this that's what this is for and I don't know what New York was seeing there. And by, by New York, I mean the Replay Center, not the Mets.
2: Yeah, I don't want to beat a dead horse because I feel like everybody's kind of come out and had the same unanimous take on it. But it's like, what is replay for at that point? Like, but, if you can't review that play and get it right, what are we doing? Like, well, who's in the like how How can we not get somebody in the booth? Like Joe Schmo could go review that and be like, he reached out and tried to hit the ball right. with his elbow. Like, and everybody be like, yeah, you're right. It's clear as day. It's the same thing with the NFL. It makes no sense how like we can see it clearly on our couch. But the replay booth in Secaucus or wherever the hell the MLB has it is incapable of making the correct call or scared to because it's, quote, a judgment call by the umpire, which is an even more ridiculous.
0: Just get it right.
2: Yeah, just get the call right.
0: Just get it right. Just get it
2: right. There's, I, there's no reason to have replay if you're not going to get the call right.
0: That's my thing is like if when we when we are all and by we I mean literally everybody is all on the same page about something and you major league baseball are the one outlier. I don't get how you can look yourself in the mirror and be like, yeah, we're doing the right thing here. Well,
2: the NFL has the same problem, so I don't know if it's just the the MLB, but uh, uh, replay is a major issue. And I think soccer is dealing with a little bit of it too with VAR, but uh, like we don't have to get into that, but I just there's a like if it's so clear in the next one I know you'll have a lot to say about about the the Alec Bomb slide into home the other day in the Phillies Braves game, but I just like when it's
1: so clear as day I just don't get how you get the call wrong. I, there's no excuse. There's you have no excuse. And I know MLB is trying to do everything they can. Like they they're not trying to blow the game in any sense. I get that part, but you got to take a step and say, all right, we screwed up yesterday. How can we make tomorrow not be the same situation? Because we've seen this in the past where it's been like this, and then it's like that in a week.
2: And it's like all the dumb shit they're workshopping in single A and triple A or whatever. Like, uh, how about get replay right? Yeah, and, and not even tomorrow. How about today? Like, you're the ma- you're Major League Baseball. You ha- you play every single day of the week. You're playing 162 games over six months, plus the playoffs. Like you're going to have more games like
1: get get it right spin zone it's also good for not i guess the mlb but just baseball in general people are talking about it it's yeah. kind of a publicity oh, it's phenomenal thing for public it's Everyone's phenomenal about publicity everyone has been going off about it
0: um i so these two instances obviously affected the directly affected the outcome of the game um we'll move into the braves phillies that happened in the bottom or the top of the ninth in atlanta on Sunday Night Baseball, so national TV, everyone was watching. That's hilarious right too. after the Masters. So it was the perfect transition. Uh there was not a single person on Twitter except except for freaking Bob Nightingale, <laughs> who is like the Jeff Goodman of Major League Baseball Twitter. Not a good cop. Who didn't <laughs> who didn't think that Alec Bohm was out. I thought it was bomb. Uh, Vascurgen kept saying boom, so I thought I it was bomb too. I boom. think boom.
2: I think Alec bomb sounds way cooler. <laughs> like he just said that. Like he had a home run, and I was going to send you like Alec with a bomb emoji. Like I think that's awesome. Like if I if mine like I would be Alec bomb, but if it's <laughs> bomb, it's
0: bomb. We'll go with what Vascurgen said. He's um, I
2: can't listen to him all year. Well, it's well, it's, well, it's well that's a different conversation. Yeah, but
0: I think we should well, we can have that one. Um, but yeah, so it was clear. Boom. Sl- Let me address the Marcelo Zuna people first. That was a terrible throw by Marcelo Zuna and the people who are like, get a better left fielder and you wouldn't have the problem. That's not the issue. (laughs) The issue is that Major League Baseball messed up a call. It was a judgment call. The ump called him out, and I don't blame him for that because he was looking in the dirt through Travis Darno's body, so it's hard to see. That's what we have replay for. The
2: position the umpire is in, is justifiable, and the fact that he makes the wrong call in a split second is right. Like, Darno's over the plate, he slides in, it looks like his foot might have scraped it, whatever, whatever, he calls him safe, bang, bang. That's
0: then here. you go to replay, and it was not a challenge by the Braves, it was an official review by the umpire crew or Major League Baseball, however it's handled.
2: Yeah, which means somebody was like, we need to take a look at this Correct.
0: Game. So, Bohm went, if, you have, if you're looking at a plate right in front of you, his foot, I think it was his right foot, came up short, and then somehow landed like six inches to the left of the plate. Maybe it was his left foot. Whatever. There was not even one second of footage where I thought that part of his foot just touched the plate. He's in there.
2: Well, there's the problem is that when they showed it at the right angle, too, because the, when they showed it at the umpire angle and even some of the top angles, you couldn't tell that his foot just kind of glides over home plate. But when they showed it from the angle down the third baseline and you could see the plate through Darno's leg, you could see he's, Clearly doesn't touch it. Right. And if you see that angle, like again, like we we could sit here and beat the dead horse all day, like make the right like make the right call.
1: I have nothing else besides they obviously are wrong. They got I d don't think you can correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. MLB said the next day that they were wrong. No. They no,
0: they have that. not. They've they yet, yet to that. release a statement regarding it. They
1: protect it. one thing that MLB is really good at is protecting its umpires. But in a situation like that, like what, like I don't. I, and then part two, what I would say is I told Justin this. Obviously, they were wrong. Argue about it for a day, move on. That's my stance. Obviously, the not, believe in something, Doug. I'm not saying I'm not <laughs> saying MLB move on. I think they should look at it, but us as fans, like there are games going on besides this one game, and I'm sure it's fun to talk about. It. But you just talk yourself in circles, and it's the same conversation that we've had. I like talking about other games, but obviously, like I said. It's something that does need to be discussed. Yeah, and it's probably don't.
0: different for me since it happened to me. Yes,
1: well, that just, is a good point. Like, yeah, well, yeah it happens to side. you, but at the same time, it's like how
2: – like Doug's right, we play pretty much every day. So it's like how often do you want to talk about the game on Sunday when there's four or five games I'm
0: fairly game. certain the Braves are going to be tweeting about it every every time there's a replay. Oh, they absolutely, absolutely can. Will. Oh, you if like it was that. the Red
2: Sox, like, I, they would – same thing. Like, the listen, tweet last night to, was awesome. If it happened to the Cubs, like obviously the Cubs fans would feel more – more of the heat than they they do about it. Like, yes, you know what I'm saying. That's, 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 that's just basic fandom.
0: Fandom, fandoms, fandoms, cool, man. Yeah. yeah uh, quickly on Vasquez and A before we talk about our three teams. Uh, congratulations to A Rod for allegedly buying the Timberwolves. Hopefully, that means he's out of the Sunday Night Booth. No, I <laughs>
2: actually think he's not the worst part of it. I well, that's
0: because is the worst.
2: He, I, I used to like Matt Vaskurjan, but I don't know what happened. I can't yeah, I listen to too. this guy call a nine inning game. So I mean, he drives me nuts.
0: Let me tell you, me and Doug can talk to you as media students. There is, it is a completely different skill to be a studio host versus calling nine innings of baseball yeah as a studio host matt vaskersian is not doing ad lib he is reading off of a prompter that somebody else wrote somebody else's jokes for nine innings of baseball we're listening to matt vaskersian off the cuff
2: it's tough man like he's not a guy i would want to sit down and get a beer with like I, you listen to a lot of national broadcasts and it's like for as much hate as joe buck gets like i'd love to go sit down and have a beer with that guy. right al michaels chris collinsworth next question like nance romo next question like would you want to sit down and have a beer with with Matt Vasgersian?
0: No. Well, I just my, my point is that Shulman is doing the radio and he's so much better and he used to do TV. Mm-hmm. And he's not anymore. I, I don't understand why he's not. Like every time I listen to Shulman do a college basketball game, I'm like why isn't this guy doing everything for ESPN's play by play?
1: He's my favorite guy. Monday yeah, night baseball, oh, he's awesome. Wednesday night baseball, he should be Sunday doing football. Baseball.
0: He should be doing their football booth. I would Whatever.
1: argue that the Chicago TV broadcasters are two of the top five in the MLB. Jason Benetti and Book Schiami. Yeah,
0: well, Benetti's awesome. Benetti's I I won't awesome. argue with Benetti. Uh, you know, Boog, like guy, just haven't listened to it. When him and Chipper did Wednesday night last year, I don't like. I Boog. didn't love it. I like Boog. Uh, I,
2: I, I like. Or am like, obviously, I'm an more yeah, guy. Dar- but-
0: and of course, I'm going to tell you. Well, I think Ch- Chip Carey is an idiot, but he's my idiot. <laughs> I love him. And <laughs> yeah, Jeff Francoeur is America's idiot. Um, we well, let's yeah, let's talk about our teams. Uh, Doug, why don't why don't you go ahead with the Cubs?
1: Four and six, fourth in the NL Central, three-game losing streak. Our hitting sucks. Our pitching sucks. Um, <laughs> Tell me how you're really doing. <laughs> I mean, that's just kind of the overview. I'll just get in some of the details. Um, like, it's just been really, really bad. This is from Cubs historian Ed Hardig. I want to give him credit. The Cubs 49 hits, which is the past 10 games, I guess 11 games now, or no, 10, Uh, are the fewest hits by the team over 10 consecutive games in a season since at least 1901. They don't even care about checking before that. That's too long for them. That's any (laughs) 10-game stretch, any part of the season, but it's just not the first 10 games. It just happens to be this year. The previous low was 51, and that was from 1968. This team just can't hit for average. I was watching last night. Chris Bryant hit a solo shot. I was happy, but... Not really.
0: Yeah, it's one run. It's only one run, and it's
1: not like this pitching staff can shut out teams, really. And so they're on a three-game losing streak right now. They play Milwaukee again tonight at 740 Eastern. I am cautiously optimistic they might turn it around, but I really don't have much evidence for that. The only thing that I'm really kind of happy about is this division – Doesn't have the Dodgers team. It doesn't have a break. Like the Cardinals are good, but they're not. I'll throw your (laughs) name up there. Right now it's the Phillies. Um, (laughs) But they don't have that number one or number two team in the NL this year. So I do think that might help them. But I mean, we played the Pirates and the Brewers right now and we're four and six. So what does that mean? A little frustration on the north side. I will shout out Craig Kimbrell. He's been awesome. He's got his stuff back. He's been nails. Uh, He's faced 17 batters. He's gotten 17 batters out, and nine of them have been strikeouts.
2: Yeah, if you see Doug or hear Doug, give him a virtual hug. The Cubs need it. Um, They're really bad right now. The Boston Red Sox, who are actually playing right now as we speak in Minneapolis in the snow, is 34 degrees and snowing right now. (laughs) Um, And they're facing J.A. Happ, who's been pulled from the game. But the last time they beat J.A. Happ... Uh, was in 2018 when Mookie Betts had like a 10 pitch plus pitch at bat and hit a grand slam. I is that guy that, still actually. on the Red Sox? Uh, actually, no, <laughs> Justin. Mookie Betts is not still on the Red Sox. But but this Boston Red Sox team is leading the AL East, first in the AL East, six and three. Um, I don't think they're going to stay there. But I mean, like I have written here, best team in baseball question mark, and I'm half joking. But since Christian Vasquez says the season starts. Today, and they played the Rays after the <laughs> opening series. The Red Sox have not lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. JD Martinez is on pace to set a major league record for most consecutive games with an extra base hit. He has tied the major league record along with David Ortiz in 2004, Bill Miller in 2003, Butch Hobson in 1977, and Ted Williams in 1939. He's the only players in major league history, I think, to have nine straight games uh, uh, with an extra base hit. So he's got a chance to break that today.
1: That's cool. That um, is cool.
2: The pitching staff for the Red Sox has been as advertised, if not even slightly better. The starting pitching has been a little, little better. Martin Perez is on the mound today. I was thinking the over was going to smash in this game, but we're in the, the bottom of the fifth, and there's four runs scored, so um, Perez is pitching really well. Um, we have written down here two weeks into the season who's surprised you, who's disappointed. I think the Red Sox have been a really, really pleasant surprise. Two weeks ago, if we recorded, I said on Monday I would have said a lot of heinous things about this Red Sox team, but that's why you wait in baseball. It's yeah. a sample size game. Um, So, yeah, I I couldn't say enough good things about the 2021 Boston Red Sox. The pitching is only getting stronger. The bullpen's getting better. Um, The team's getting hot. Renfro homered for the first time today. So things are starting to fall into place a little bit in Boston.
0: So we've got the four and six Atlanta Braves. Um, It's, you know, the record doesn't tell the whole story because obviously one of those games was taken from us by Major League Baseball. Uh, But, you know, it's it's been weird. Two extra inning losses uh, last night to the Marlins. That was bad. And it all boils down to the bullpen. Chris Martin goes on the IL with a, um, I believe it was a, they said like shoulder injury, but it really looked like oblique, uh, which he struggled with. And he's the anchor of the bullpen, usually the eighth inning guy. Will Smith and AJ Minter, it's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, like which one of their personalities is going to show up. AJ Minter last night was terrible. Um, It's been the bullpen that anchored this Braves rotation last year with guys like Shane Green and Chris Martin and Mark Melanson. The, those guys aren't performing the same. Well, two of the three guys aren't even on the team anymore. Meanwhile, Shane Green is sitting on the open market and hasn't been signed, so I'm hoping Alex Anthopoulos and the Braves front office go out and get him, but I'm not worried. The offense is still waking up. Ozzie, Freddie, and Marcel are are still have cobwebs on them, I would say. I would say Freddie. Uh, well, Freddie, Freddie has five hits, and four of them wow. are home runs. That's why you've so that's, seen I all the see. Yeah, <laughs> you see the home runs. <laughs> Freddie was 0 for 5 yesterday. He's, it's been a really slow start okay. for him. Um, but Ronald Acuna Jr., and, and uh, before I talk about him, Travis Darnot is it's one of the best acquisitions of the Anthopolis tenure. No one's going to talk about it, but what he does behind the plate and what he does at the plate— um, in terms of catching and hitting, he is fabulous. He's a great framer of the ball, and he's right now, at least, he's one of the best offensive catchers in baseball. And I think it was like a two two year, eight million dollar deal. So that was a huge get for the Braves. I've been really pleased with with Travis Darno. Plus, he fits in in the locker room really well. Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, let me get his stats because he deserves the exact numbers. He is hitting 447. 500 OBP, 947 slugging, 1447 OPS, and he's already got a 1.2 war. He's got four home runs, three stolen bases. The dude deserves way more credit than he gets. And I know he gets a lot already, but it is always, and I say this every goddamn week, it is always Juan Soto and Fernando Tatis being talked about instead of Ronald Acuna Jr. I don't know why, Maybe because Tatis is in California and Juan Soto's got a ring. But Ronald Acuna Jr., in my opinion, is just as good, if not better, than those two players.
1: I would agree, but I also would disagree with the fact that he's not really in that conversation with Tatis. I guess Tatis is more of a flashy guy, so he's up there. But I would say Acuna's talked about yeah, nearly I would say as much as Soto. Yeah, I would say the Maybe. three of them are probably—he's definitely—
2: that's, got, that's some Atlanta bias yeah, that's some He Atlanta- gets a ton of media attention. He's a top five— Attention, guy in baseball. I would say it's probably, in no particular order, him, Tatis, Mookie, Soto, and Trout. In terms of like,
0: yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I don't even put Trout in the same category just because he's like, Trout's just like it's crazy to think about because he doesn't try and he's just so
2: good. But the other like, I would say those four guys: Mookie, Tatis, Soto, and Acuna. And it says uh, an absurd amount about uh, Tatis, Acuna, and Soto that they're being mentioned with Mookie bets. But I would say those four probably get the most recognition from the public from the ads from from odds from Jersey sales I want like that.
0: more
1: <laughs> yeah. he might mean he might hey, listen man, win MVP then
0: he well, he is to be fair right and I I mean we all everyone says you know it can't last but maybe it could but hmm. this is the best I've seen him play sure. ever well
2: listen if he goes 40 40 this year then yeah that, I like, mean yeah. He's, he's we talked whole, about this yesterday yeah, we talk- he should have
0: done it last li- li- or two years like, ago. how
2: many guys in the league could realistically hit 40 homers and steal 40 backs yeah it's not it's a short it's list a and it's probably just him and Mike trout
0: um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy. I, I did. I apparently reached and took Acuna with my first overall fantasy pick. That's paying off.
1: Yeah. I don't know who called that a reach, but Vince. I call that a reach <laughs> team fan graph, so. I had Juan Soto number four. I'll take that every day. Yeah. yeah. I got him at six in a week.
0: Um, so yeah, that's, that's my gripe. And I do that okay. with all Atlanta teams. It's just like, I want more credit.
1: Understandable. I think he does deserve more credit, but I also think he gets a ton more credit. So probably he like he deserves what he gets. He might deserve a little bit more, but. Not too much. Listen, if he's going to hit 440
2: for the rest of the year, then he's going to... Did J.D. just... Oh, oh, no. And
0: I have one more quick point on the Braves and we can sure. do surprising and, um Drew Smiley is a disaster. I, I'm done with him already. He, he's, he brings nothing to the table, uh, in my opinion. The, the Braves have, right now, they have Morton, Freed, uh, Ian Anderson as the first three. Soroka should be back in a month. That's four uh, in no order. And then it'll be the fifth spot will go between H- Hwasgar, Inoa. Andrew Smiley, I am a huge Wascar Inoa guy. I was talking to Keyser about him last night. He's 2 months shy of being 23. This is his third season playing in the pros. Uh and he had he went 6 and 10 Ks last night. He trial by fire is the word I used. He is or the phrase. He was thrown into the flames at the very beginning of the Braves good run. Uh and he just got eaten alive. He was terrible for 2 years, but the last I would say he's had two starts this year. His last probably seven or eight starts, he has started to put the pieces together. And I think he can be the legitimate fifth starter for this team, even though he'll, he'll only be 23 by the time the season ends. So that's exciting for me, and I think that's exciting for a lot of young Braves, fan, or Braves fans, too, to have another young pitcher that could potentially be slotted in there with those other guys. Drew Smiley, that was a, a one-year signing. We'll see if it works. It doesn't, so get him out. DFA him. Uh, surprises.
1: Reds. I'll start with I, Reds. Yeah, that was, I mean, yeah. I think that's my number one. They're 7-3. and three. They lead the NL Central right now. They are scoring runs. Uh, obviously, they had that Nicholas, or Nick Castellanos ordeal early in the season, which might have energized them a little bit. I mean, they're scoring double digits. Let's see, one, two, three, four times – or three times already this season. They scored six, five. Like five. They're, they're scoring lots and lots of runs. This isn't really not that much of a name – like, friendly lineup. Like, it's a lot of guys that you think might be good, but you yeah. kind of doubt it. Yeah, I know what you like mean. Like kind of like the Suarez, like, Eugenio Suarez is, like, good, but, like, is he really going to be that good? Joey Avato used to be good. But they're kind of all putting it together right now, and I don't think it will last. But take advantage of it while you can. You're 7-3 and three and you lead the division. I'll, I'll throw that name out there.
0: Keys, you got a positive surprise? Uh, yeah. I get to the Red, Sox. I mean, oh, Red yeah, Sox. Besides
1: the Red Sox, who I already <laughs> said, um, I would say the,
2: the overall performance of the Phillies pitching staff. I would say yeah, even the fair. back-end guys like Eflin, yeah. and I, I don't really know who their fifth starter is, if I'm going to be completely honest. But Wheeler's pitched really well. Noah's pitched well. Um, so I would say the – wasn't looking at that as being a strong suit of this Phillies team. It looked at the lineup. And you're like, okay, they're going to do some damage, and you have some things to figure out at the back end of the bullpen. But the starters have held up really well. So I'd say Philly, and then I just expected that San Fran to be terrible. I know it's only been been ten days, but um, the fact that they're over five hundred is pretty encouraging.
0: Uh, I will say well, I'll add about the Phillies. They completely changed their bullpen this off season. Uh, Hector Neris is the only guy they brought back. Uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez is on the IL, so that's the other familiar name. But fi- everyone else besides Hector Neris is new to Philly's bullpen this year. That's how bad they were last year. Miserable. My my surprise, and it's not because they weren't supposed to be good, it's because they're always supposed to be good and they never are. The Angels started 7-3. and three. Uh, Shohei Otani has been the, the talk of the town. So that, that's been good to see. I love Joe Maddon, and I think Mike Trout at the very least deserves to play in the playoffs and i think we as baseball fans deserve to watch him in the playoffs so that's exciting if they, i mean obviously we got 150 more games left but if they can kind of be relevant this year that would be great for us and great for the game uh i'll go right i'll stay at home in that division my bad surprise is the a's they've won 3 in a row but they started the season 1 and 7 they were talking a whole lot of shit to the Astros in their opening series and got swept in four games. So that that was surprising me. The The A's are always a sneaky pick to win the AL East, but you say sneaky and they've won 90 games for like five seasons in a row. So uh, is that Bob Melvin out there, I think, is their manager? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um Ever since he got there from Toronto – he the the A's have been fantastic, So I was surprised by their slow start. But, like I said, three in a row, they're four and seven now, starting to get things back on track.
1: I'll go off that. they to finish that point, they lost Liam Hendricks, who is probably baseball's best reliever, at least top three. He goes to the White Sox, and that's my disappointing team. Chicago's really not doing that well in both teams. They the White Sox are five and five. Their run differentials plus 12, so I guess they're hitting, and whenever they win, they blow teams out. But for close games, their bullpen is not helping. Whether it's Hendricks blowing a save, or Aaron Bummer giving up three runs and only getting one out, or something like that. Their defense has not been good. They're giving up an error pretty much every game. And I think it will turn around. I, I don't think this is really the sustainable season. They're not going to be a 500 team, but so far I don't like the way that they're playing. They like They... Split a series with the Royals. They only took two out of three against the Mariners. These are games that they really should at least win two out of three, maybe three out of three, and they're a little bit shaky to start the season.
0: Uh, I just want to – you said run differential. The A's have the worst run differential in baseball, minus 28. Like, that's that's bad, bad. That's, that's seven worse than the next worst team. How many
2: games did yeah, they play? It's just – I mean, like, you you can – Four-game division sweep to open the year. Like, the Braves got swept to open the year. The Red Sox got swept in the I division to open up. the year. Like, oh, too. Yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't worry so much about the athletics. They're yeah. always a team that kind of gets their arms rolling. They've
1: also played the Astros twice and the Dodgers once. Yeah, so, so that's tough. Yeah,
2: not Not the easiest opening sweep. <laughs> Pretty schedule, good. I would say, <laughs> and not that this is a huge disappointment in terms of my eyes, but I guess in terms of the public's eyes. Like, everybody kind of anointed the Blue Jays as, like, the next team to kind of push for the AL East and kind I of push did. that upper <laughs> that echelon me. of – of AL East teams, and while the like the Rays got a little bit worse, um, the Yankees obviously they have their problems with, with the pitching staff and, and injuries. Um, but just like I, I think everybody needed to pump the brakes on the Blue Jays a little bit and where they stand in, in the, the division, and I think the early part of the season kind of reflects that. Maybe they're not the darling team everybody thought they were this year. Maybe that's next year
1: for them because I, I just I don't think their pitching's there at all. I agree with that, and I think Justin usually says this, but like. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, you didn't say that for the Blue Jays. No, I, didn't. I kind of did. I'm like, I think they could be good, but I don't know. I gotta see it. So, we haven't seen it yet.
2: And also, I think, I think, uh, and I don't know how permanent this was or if this went under the radar. But the Yankees uh, early last week or after his last start designated Domingo Herman for assignment. Uh, so I think chemistry-wise, that might have a positive effect on that team. So it's something to look look at moving forward in the East.
0: Again, we're only you know, depending on what team you look at. We're only ten games into yeah. the season. So long way to go, but we'll we'll try and do something like this every week where we talk about the baseball, chop talk about baseball. Talk about the baseball. Uh <laughs> chop it up just a little bit around the diamond. Um let's go to UFC. There was there were some fights this weekend.
2: Yeah a lot of good scraps this weekend. Uh starting the main event, Marvin Vittori took it to Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland stepped up and took this fight on, on like ten days notice, I think maybe even less uh, Holland fought like three weeks ago against Derek brunson and we talked about that fight but uh Vittori did exactly what he needed to do he set the middleweight record for takedowns in a fight um, which I believe was like 11 or 12 uh he just put his uh put his head in, in, in Kevin's chest and drove him to the mat and kept him there it really wasn't much more to say
1: yeah Holland is an entertaining fighter he didn't have the choice to be entertained this this fight. He was kind of being controlled the whole time. Like you said, he was taking down a bunch. Uh, he'll be back up there, but Vittori looks really good, so I'll, I'll throw his name out there for a future contender.
2: Yeah, so the thing with 185 and, and where it gets exciting but also kind of confusing is like there isn't a true number one contender right now. Like You have the champ, Adesanya, who is, um, regardless of what happened in, in his last fight with Bohovich, I mean, you know, I about Unbeatable as as anybody could look at 185. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the last time, uh, or, the, or the time he fought Derek Brunson. Derek Brunson's a pretty good wrestler. He tried to take him down and couldn't. And um, we saw what what Brunson looked like stuck on his feet with Izzy. Uh, so you have Marvin Vittori, who just won his last fight, second main event in a row. We have coming up this weekend Robert Whittaker versus Kelvin Gastelum. Um, that's going to be an unreal fight. Uh, and the winner of that, Mike, is going to have a, a legitimate claim to Adesanya as well. But all three of those guys have all fought Adesanya and all lost. Yeah. So it's like. He swept the floor already. Yeah. So it's like, do, do does somebody like that excite Izzy or is he looking for something else that remains to be seen? I guess it depends on what Whitaker looks like, depends on what Gaston looks like, and depends on what the UFC wants to do. But 185 has a lot of really good guys, but nobody who's been separating, separating themselves
1: as a contender. If Bobby Knuckles wins. This weekend, I think he does get the next shot. If if uh, Gaslam wins, I don't think he does. I think that's how it works. I think right now, Robert Whittaker is that number one contender spot, and it would be hard to turn that down if he does win, especially in dominating fashion.
2: Yeah, and then Darren Till obviously was supposed to fight Marvin Vittori, uh, and he uh, pulled out of that fight with an injury. So it'll be interesting to see. Like I, I was talking to my brother today, and— I, He said he wouldn't even be surprised, and I guess I wouldn't either because Israel's expressed interest in this before, in fighting Darren Till. So I wouldn't even be surprised if Till kind of locks himself into a title fight by having not lost to somebody or having not lost to Adesanya. I guess he lost to Whitaker, so that kind of throws that argument out the window. But I don't know, 185's got some things to to iron out, but we will know more in the next coming weeks, which is cool. Uh, Moving down the card a little bit, this was a really exciting fight. Arnold Allen fought Sadiq Yusuf. Uh, and Arnold Allen looked really, really good at fly or featherweight. Yeah, Arnold's a guy to look at, uh, contender, possible contender. Uh, Julian Marquez looked really good at middleweight, fighting Sam Alvey, who came down. Uh, Mackenzie Durant got back in the win column, and uh, Mike Perry got his ass kicked. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's good. I'll say that. Yeah. So that was the UFC this this weekend. Uh, and then Conor. Oh, so the biggest, honestly, the biggest news to come out of the UFC was Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier going back and forth on Twitter yesterday. Um, Poirier called out Connor for not donating the $500,000 he said he was going to to Dustin's charity. Connor, in return, said he wasn't going to fight Dustin. Um, so there's some drama over there to look look for. Both men have signed contracts, so I doubt that's actually going to happen. They won't. But uh, they can't be. I think it's just just some smoke. extra build up to yeah. to to build up to their July the 10th matchup.
1: I think it's just smoke.
2: And then John Jones and Francis Ngannou still haven't uh, agreed to a fight because of money, and I, I don't know if that one will come, but. That's another heavy, heavyweight division is another division to keep an eye on is, uh things still need to be ironed out there.
0: All right, folks. Uh, we are admittedly not a huge NBA podcast. Um Jamal Murray did tear his ACL last night, which is sad because so sad. The, the Jazz are fun to watch. And Keys, I know you're a the closeted nuggets. Kentucky He's fan. He's a Nugget. Yeah, I, I did this in the playoffs, too. What? I kept calling the Jazz the Nuggets and the Nuggets the Jazz. <laughs> I kept messing them up. I Whatever. The, My this, apologies. Here's the
2: frustrating part about this one is that Murray had missed the previous four or five games with a knee injury. And so to bring him back when he was, and I know he was probably pushing to come back, and I, especially I feel, against the Warriors on prime time, exactly. Um, yeah, but just to see him go down in that way, and he was writhing in pain. It was just, it was, it was tough to watch. and It was just sad. So you, you wish a, a speedy and, and safe recovery for Jabal Murray.
0: Can't believe I did that again. I'm going to do it in the playoffs once again this year. Um, I will say this. I, I say all the time. You all know I'm a Fairweather Hawks fan. The Hawks a couple of days ago, two games ago, played the uh, net or the Hornets, and they won. And this was their injury report before that game: Trey Young out, Danilo Gallinari out, Tony Snell out, John Collins out, DeAndre Hunter out, Cam Reddish out, Chris Dunn out. That's half the team. But uh, I think uh, Bogdanovich scored 32 points and they won. But yeah, I think half the, the team Bulls was team. out. Oh, yeah. The, well, that was when was that Zach Levine game? had 50. Trey Young had 42, and the Hawks won by 12. Yeah, that's how bad the Bulls are. Uh, are we just are we okay with not talking about the NBA till the playoffs?
2: Uh, the Celtics. <laughs> the, I will. I will say this briefly. The Celtics, as of recently, have looked really, really good. Um, they actually just held the jazz I think or was it the I think it was the nuggets on a 40 to eight score <laughs> See? Run. No, we don't even, the teams <laughs> it's just those play together the not those mountains yeah. I don't yeah the west teams whatever yeah. oh, the Celtics look really good Tatum dropped 53 in a game the other day um so it looks like Brad Stevens is is starting to write the ship in Boston. So I heard he's cool. coming to Bloomington. Yeah, he's going to take the third assistant coaching spot. And <laughs> him and Bruce
0: Springsteen step. are putting on a, a, <laughs> a concert. Him, Bruce, and John
2: Mellencamp <laughs> are put, doing a concert in Dunmeadow. That that it was a, that you, was a great storyline this weekend. Took my bad. Week. Uh, sorry. Oh, you, 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 uh, we I, won't you can into it anymore. It in bad week. Um,
0: NFL. I'm in a, a open forum for the NFL. I I still, the Hawks. I mean, not the Hawks. The Falcons are apparently going to Justin Fields next workout or whatever i don't think he's going to be there for them to take for them to take i don't want them to take a quarter i don't want them to take justin fields at four i have said forever and always i want sewell uh the lineman from oregon but i think it is also becoming more and more likely that the falcons trade back so either way as long as they don't take a quarterback and if they do take a quarterback i kind of want mac jones i'm kind of talking myself into mac jones but not at four so if you guys have anything at all, or you can let the silence talk.
2: Uh, I would say I now have to, like, I, I've been, like, trying to talk myself into Zach Wilson. Not that I'm not excited, but, like, You're I, not. I don't know what to expect. Like, I, I don't know what to expect. So I guess I got to see him play. But it seems like the Jets are going to go with Zach Wilson. So I guess I got to watch some more film. But the kid's arm strength is absolutely unreal. Yeah. So I'll just keep watching that one throw from his pro day. And then uh, I wanted to bring this up. We can talk about it briefly, but Julian Edelman was oh yeah was cut yesterday by the Patriots, and I and I'll do cut in air quotes because they cut him so that he could because of an injury to get an extra amount of money to squeeze money out of his contract or something like that. So they threw him a bone. Um, but Edelman retired yesterday. So absolutely ridiculous career, especially in the playoffs. Hall of Fame competitor, Pat's Hall of Famer. Do you think he's an NFL Hall of Famer? No, I don't think so
0: either. Okay, so I said yes. Uh, three three rings, really close. three rings. Yes. Yeah. 3 rings and one Super Bowl MVP. To. Um yeah, he's got 3. He's got Falcons, Rams and then uh the one other one. I don't remember. Whatever. Uh it's not important. I think oh, Seahawks. Uh I think he is a Hall of Famer. I know his stat we talk the stats is are really the only thing holding him back. Uh and I guess that's part of your resume, but I I think the Intangibles, the clutchness, the performances that he had in the playoffs—that has to count for something.
2: Yeah, I, I think if they dis—if they—if they don't take into account the, the the games he missed during the regular season and the the overall stats, and they put more of an emphasis on playoff performance and performance in big games, and then his case is, is obviously a lot stronger. It puts him up there. I mean, he's one of the best playoff receivers and, and Super Bowl receivers of all time, I right. think statistically. Yeah. Um, so in that regard, yes, but. I don't know if his overall career statistics will get there, but just an un- unbelievable, unforgettable player from our generation. Yeah,
0: and you'd be hard-pressed to find a guy that his community embraced more than New England embraced Julian Edelman. So He fit that team. Yeah. Congra- I mean, I, 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 did, I never had a reason to hate Julian Edelman. I never hated the Patriots. I mean, I did hate the Patriots, but I never hated the people <laughs> on the Patriots. Um, so uh, congratulations to Julian Edelman on a great career and a fine uh, representative of the Jewish community. Um, segments,
1: shall we? I'll go first. We talked about the sad part of the game against Denver and the Warriors, but I'll talk about the happy part. Stephen Curry tops Wilt Chamberlain as the Golden State Warriors all-time scoring leader by scoring 53 points. I think it was bound to happen. He's obviously one of the best scorers of all time, especially when you add the three-point into play. But to pass such a prevalent name and a very Elevated player and Wilt Chamberlain, that means a lot. So I would say, shout out, good week, good night, Steph Curry. Uh, bad week. <laughs> I know we talked about not talking about the NBA till playoffs, but I'm just going to go back to back here. The Bulls. The Bulls have lost three straight to the Hawks, to the Timberwolves, to the Grizzlies. Three not great teams. Oh. <laughs> and now they are 22 and 31, fighting for the 10th spot in the East right now. They are still figuring out the positions and kind of playing with. Nikola Vucevic now, but it should be kind of figured out by now, and it's not, so it's not great for them. Bad week for the Bulls.
2: I would say good week, and I and I can't believe we skipped over this. I forgot to mention this when we talked about baseball, but good week for Joe Musgroves. Joe Musgroves throws the first oh, yeah. no hitter in Padres history, meaning that now all MLB franchises have thrown at least one no hitter. Um, so he becomes the first Padre to ever do it, and only his second star as a Padre. Born and raised in San Diego. Um, So really cool moment for him. And then also going on the back end of that, Victor Caratini, the catcher for Musgroves, caught the last no-hitter thrown in the MLB by Alec Mills and the Cubs last year and caught this no-hitter. So he becomes, I believe, the 11th. I'd have to check that number again. But um, one of a few on a short list to catch consecutive no-hitters. And what consecutive means is like the last no-hitter was the Cubs no-hitter. He caught it, this no-hitter. So I was confused on what that meant. Yeah. Uh, Got some clarification, so really cool on that. Bad week, and this is kind of a personal thing, but bad week to be COVID nineteen in the pink house. I am getting my first dose of the vaccine tomorrow, meaning that every member of our eight-person household will be vaccinated. Um, So bad week to be a virus.
0: (laughs) All right, that's right. That's pretty good. Vibes are high. Definitely can't agree with that. Uh, I got a, I got a couple. No, I got a couple. Why I love sports. Uh, Good week. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. being the face of baseball. That argument. We kind of need not that Mike Trout was never the face of baseball, but he's not out there enough to be the face of baseball. So we're trying fighting right now. And Ronald Acuna is making a good case. So good week for that. Bad week. uh, The bad week got worse for Matthew Wolfe, golfer with the funky swing. If you know who that is, Uh, 21 year old kid, he's been out on tour. Uh, He was not going to make the cut at the Masters, and then reported a wrong score, so was disqualified on top of not making the cut. So a bad week got really bad for Matthew Wolf at the Masters. Uh, Why I love sports this week, Augusta National did the most Augusta National thing of all time. Gary Player's son, Wayne Player, Gary, for those of you that don't know, Gary Player was the first international superstar for golf. Uh, He's South African. He's 86 years old now. He's the man. Gary Player's son Wayne Player. So he's one of the guys that hits the ceremonial tee shot on the first hole to open up the Masters. His son held up a sleeve of golf balls on the air, so it, it looked like a brand placement. He has been permanently banned from Augusta National. For for uh, advertising on air Uh, that that reminds me of Gary McCord, who I loved, who used to have Sir Nick Faldo's job on CBS as the the lead analyst. Gary, in 1994, said that the 17th green was so fast it seemed to be bikini waxed and that there were body bags on the back of the green. He continued to work for CBS for for 25 more years He never called another Masters. The Masters would not allow him back on the course because of that comment. So Augusta National flexing its muscles. I love that. That's that's why. Oh, and then the other thing, a pretty cool moment for me and for Indiana University. uh, IU Baseball threw a no-hitter on Friday, Saturday, um, a a combined no-hitter. Braden Tucker... Came in and anchored four innings after McCade Brown threw five, uh, seven walks for McCade Brown, and eight strikeouts. So it was kind of all over the place. We actually didn't realize he was throwing a no-hitter until about this—actually, until he got pulled. So in the sixth inning, we were like, oh, he didn't give up a hit. It was just a bunch of walks. Braden Tucker came in and closed the door. IU threw their first no-hitter since 1984. I was doing color for— W I U X. So that was that was pretty cool. Definitely a, a bit of a dream to call a no hitter. So
1: what happened the day before?
0: Oh, the day before was a uh, a walk off homer after a ninety minute lightning delay. So yep. a four hour and forty five minute game for the Hoosiers ends in a in a walk off. So a good weekend, and then Sunday got rained out. So they those were the two wins of the season. So or of the series. So <laughs> a, uh, about the season. Uh, a good a good weekend for Hoosier baseball.
1: I'll go after that to follow that trend with IU Sports, and I'm going to go to the soccer field. The, yeah. the soccer team just won their quarterfinal game in the Big Ten tournament. They move on to the semis. That is tomorrow night they play Maryland, a team that they beat and probably should beat again, so that will be tomorrow night. Also, I do have one more, uh, A 18-year-old bowler nicknamed oh, the Ginger yeah. Assassin, Anthony <laughs> Neuer. Neuer. Converted an ultra-rare seven ten split, and the announcers absolutely lost it. It was a great video. I recommend you all watch it. <laughs> I never knew it was that rare, to be honest. I thought it was obviously hard, but yeah. I thought professionals maybe could do it more often. But this guy made it look easy. The ginger assassin made it better.
2: Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to look that up. I guess mine is twofold, too, first of all. Um, I know we discussed it a little bit earlier, but we're about ten games into the MLB season, and the hot takes are flying. What we know about baseball is that it's a sample size game we need to see a lot. But of course, nobody can help themselves. It's been ten games, and everybody's got an opinion about everything and who should do what. um, so we're we're just in the thick of, they should do this, they should do that, but nobody has enough data to even make an educated decision. So we're just going to creep towards some more games, probably two, three weeks down the line, where everybody can start to like pick out trade targets and things like that. But the overreactions are flying, and I absolutely love it. Um, and then to, to kind of close it out, why I love sports this week, is just the culture that Mike Woodson is building around this Indiana basketball team. Um, since we last talked, I know Mark uh, uh, Armand Franklin left uh, to go to Virginia, and it's hard to blame him for that. But Ray Thompson's coming back um, and just – it, it, like, I don't know. Just the, the vibe around this Indiana basketball team is like we're not only are we going to be okay like moving forward and we're going to be good next year, but we're going to be able to compete next year. And so just more positive vibes around the IU basketball team that has said itself that it's not done in the transfer portal. So with two scholarship spots to fill, there's a lot a lot more we can do, and a head coaching spot, not a, uh, an assistant coaching spot to fill. So. A lot more IU basketball news on the horizon. Did
0: we Xavier Johnson? That was last week, right? So that's new yeah. news. So Xavier Johnson comes in through the transfer portal. Joey Brunk leaves this morning. That was uh, kind of surprised. It was surprised, but it also like you said that it was like he never said that he was staying. Yeah, every, I,
2: this was the th- I, my comment on it. Is like when I saw it, I guess I, I was a little surprised, but I can. We just everybody kind of assumed that he was staying. Like he didn't even play a game for us last year. He didn't step on the floor, um, so just to kind of assume that he was going to come back and. and Come into a role when he hasn't played basketball in over a year, into a new coaching staff that doesn't really know him. Um, it, it's ultimately a big ask, and so you can understand why a guy like that would transfer. I, I just, I guess, I was a little surprised that everybody was just assuming he was coming back to play for us next year. Yeah,
0: I'm excited to see what they do with those two empty roster spots now. And I agree with you that the vibes are good. Yeah. Oh, from I, everything we heard this morning, Dane Fife's press conference was Dane unbelievably Fife was successful this
2: morning. And I, I think the Ray Thompson edition, it, it, thats huge because the kid brings so much energy. He's been here for four years. He has experience playing in the Big Ten. He can back up. Trace, we know he can play in the post. He brings effort. Just you, you need you need guys who are six eight, who are athletic, who can guard. And he's a guy who is six eight, who's athletic, who can guard. Who who knows if if Trace can develop a jump shot, why can't Race? So especially knows? with Joey Brunk on, that'll be big he'll have more Yeah, the front kind, court, yeah. the front court depth is going to be huge, and you can't have enough of those. Like Race could guard the, uh, like big threes and, and smaller fives. So like he's a valuable guy to have, and I'm glad he's back.
0: All right. That'll do it for us today. Be sure to tune in next time for another sideline report and follow us on Twitter at the underscore sideline pod. We'll see y'all next time. Good work. I completely,
2: The street went out the corner of my eye. I saw a pretty little thing approaching me. She said, I never seen
0: a man.